Hey everybody, welcome to the Alderaan Games Podcast. This is episode one, recorded on September 30th. It's hosted by Jiggy, the art lead, and me. me, Death Rage, the lead programmer. We're both a part of the Alderaan Games team and working on a variety of different games. Our primary focus right now is working on Path of Titans, a dinosaur MMO survival video game. In this show, we talk about Path of Titans development and also touch on the daily life and struggles of being part of an indie video game dev team. We also have a demo out, uh, which you can get at alderongamescom slash store, where you can check out the character creation, day-night cycle, AI demo, and we also have a fishing demo that we're working on coming soon. And we're also going to answer some questions that have been brought in by community members. You can submit a question at podcast.alderongames.com. Cool. So, uh, Rebecca, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Had a great sleep, ready to get some work done. We're, we're filming this podcast before we uh, start work, so it's kind of uh, raring to go at this point. Cool. Tell us about this uh, new dinosaur you just worked Yeah, so I was working on the Kentrosaurus a couple days ago. Um, finished it. It was interesting because I took the Stego, the Stego model I had done, which has similar proportions to a Kentrosaurus, which is kind of like a more spiky Stegosaurian. And from there, I could actually tweak the proportions, add the extra plates on, completely redo all the details, of course. And it, it, it keeps it in a similar style, but I had to um, alter a lot, clearly, because the skeletons are quite different. But he's been ready to go. He's got a couple animations. He's using the Stegosaurus animations right now, but I'll be going in and actually completely remaking all of it, or most of his animations, because uh, we want to make him feel a lot more unique than just with the stego so he's gonna be really cool uh, i'm i actually i liked him so much i actually went and did my own little skin for him instead of passing it on to the skin artist so yeah <laughs> a bit of bias there but he's great he's great yeah he already has a skin and he has a name given to him by the community members which a spiky boy. spiky boy yes because of all these spikes cool and we also have some feedback we've been getting people from people from the ai demo we put out um still work in progress but they get stuck on, on trees less right now, and it's getting better every day. Uh, we just put a patch out for it yesterday, uh, along with a couple of new things. And we also have the day-night cycle, um, which we put out. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Jiggy, and uh, maybe some of the decisions behind uh, why we made our day-night cycle? How we? Yeah, so we have the day-night cycle demo, and basically it just flies your camera through uh one of our tiles of one of our maps. Um, the map is much larger than what the demo area is, but we just put a little piece in so the download's not as uh, large for everyone. But yeah, so it's just flying around the map. Um, you can see the sun, moon coming out. You can see the stars. And um, what was really interesting, what we really wanted to bring to the game was with the day-night cycle is the lighting for these kinds of games have to be really good in order for it to look good. You know, you can have a game that doesn't actually really have very nice assets, but if the lighting is good, then that really can sell it home and really help with the atmosphere. But one thing that I've noticed, and we've both noticed, is sometimes with survival games, um, they encourage people to collect items and stuff and make a campfire, because at nighttime, things come out to try and get you, you know, whether it's zombies or... Um, cannibals and like from the forest and you've got plenty of things that are kind of come after you and you really it's encouraging when I mean it helps with the encouragement if it's really dark 
So you can't actually run out in the forest at night to go and recollect some supplies because you forgot them because it's dangerous and also very dark. But in this game with Patent Titans, I mean, these are animals. They're, a lot of them are actually active at night. If you punish people and make them not want to play at night, it's kind of an antithesis of what being an animal is like. Some animals might want to go to sleep at night, sure, but you know, part of being in the environment and being immersed is having uh, the, the ability to play at any given time during the day. So our night times are actually quite bright. You can still hide in bushes, you can still do all that stuff, and you can definitely, especially if you've chosen the right skin, hide really well. But the idea is you can play the entire time. You don't ever have to feel like you have to log out or just hit the sleep button and wait for an AFK or something like that. That's the exact opposite of what we want in this case because there's no zombies coming out to get you at night here. It's only going to be maybe the, the raptors or something that might wake up at night. So uh, yeah, that's been really cool. We've got a lot of really cool feedback too, so we're definitely going to make some tweaks uh, in the future to it. But uh, you know, the, the core design here is that we want people to play and have fun no matter the time of day. Yeah, so another problem we want to avoid was people logging out when it got to nighttime, or they yeah. just would uh, play on a different server, and that's definitely not fun. We unlocked a new stretch goal. What was that? Oh yeah, the lead ichthyus, the stretch yeah. goal. So that one was uh, for $150,000, which is insane. Um, but he's going to be a super cool fish. He's a gigantic aquatic fish. Gigantic. Probably the biggest aquatic thing we'll be adding. Uh, and it's a really neat idea for this character, this this dino, or fish, I should say, because um, it's actually a filter feeder. So it's a herbivore. It's not going to be running after things and trying to chase them and hunt them. So we also are working on a mobile version. Uh, and we're considering putting the mobile version out as a demo. And we have the option of either putting it out as a demo or releasing the game uh, without doing a demo. Because it's we're interested to see what kind of interest we have in people getting access to the same demos people have on PC, but on mobile, just to get some feedback and uh, crash reports and stuff like that. So please let us know if you're interested in a mobile version of the demo. Uh, hopefully it'll be on iPhone 6s or higher and any Android with Vulkan support, uh, medium to high-end phone. See how that one goes. It'll probably be on Google Play and the App Store as a beta. We're, we're limited to how many people we can invite. Cool. So let's jump into some listener questions. So Millie asks, what got you into game developing and how slash when did you start out? Well, for me, um, initially, I was always been really interested in modding games. Uh, and I started out modding a previous game that I was working on, and that really is what got me into it, just making skins. Uh, the simplest things, just painting textures on models. Um, and from there, really, it's just you have to apply yourself and make sure that you don't just stick to the skins because there's a lot more to games than just skins. So you start with the skins and then maybe you learn a little of the modeling, maybe how to put the skins into the game, maybe you learn how to tweak the dinosaurs and their stats, and it just from there can really ramp up. Um, and it's really encouraging to see a lot of our modders actually starting out and making their own, their own dinosaurs because that's the very first step into actually starting to become a game dev yourself. I started out just a couple years ago, but in terms of Path of Titans, because this has really just been the first 
game that I've really been into and really been working just nonstop on. It's just been a huge learning curve, but also a, an amazing experience to start at just not even knowing what what the heck an Autodesk Mudbox was, which is some sculpting software, and to turn that into just everything else that I've been doing um, on this game. So uh, it's been it's been a great experience, that's for sure. Uh, what about you? So it's a bit of a long story, but I first got into making video games. I think I was in high school or primary school or something like that, like grade four. So I originally started. Uh, playing a game called RuneScape. One of the things my dad said was, hey, you should be making your own games and not wasting your time playing video games. And that's when I started making mods for RuneScape or Warcraft or uh, any of these other games. And I eventually went over to the Armor games where I ended up making a mod called Breaking Point for Armor 2 and Armor 3. And I was doing that for about five years before I moved on to making my own full games professionally. Um, so it's been at it a while and picking up some skills along the way, but it's been really fun. The The most enjoyable part about making games is the part where you release the game and you see everyone enjoy your game. You know, it's a little bit difficult uh, to enjoy your own game because you already know everything that's going to be in the game because you made it. So there's no surprises waiting for you. Exactly. And that's a, and that's a problem. Uh, Jiggy ran into as well with like there can there can't be any new dinosaurs that we don't know exist that that show up one day we uh, we made them all so uh, no surprise yeah it's it's one of those ones where you know we've built every little piece on the map you know every rock every cave um, every secret unlockable it's it's all there we all know it it's really hard to get immersed sometimes into your own work um, but what's going to be really exciting is if people are modding the game. That gives us, as the actual game developers here, uh, a little bit of a chance to experience what it's going to be like for you guys, because there's some really cool new content that's been made that we don't know anything about. We just install it and see how it goes. So that's going to be pretty fun, too. Uh, so the next question is by Nico. And the question is, will you have an aging method in your game? How will it work during the gameplay? So the idea with aging, and I guess just growth in general, is we will have nesting. That was an amazing stretch goal that we reached thanks to the help of uh, all of our backers uh, for our crowdfunding. Um, so we'll have nesting where you'll start out as a baby, and you will grow up over time to an adult. But the idea is it's not just based on time as it would be in reality, because that encourages people to just, you know, not play the game. They just want to wait for time to progress in the game, which maybe means they might sit around in a bush, or maybe they'll just sit AFK somewhere uh, and not really actually bother. Aging in this game is going to be um, dependent on your quests and like the experience that you might gain from doing those quests and um, points that you might earn. So by doing that, people will actively have to play as a baby in order to you know grow up, and it takes a bit of skill to grow up, and it takes... Um, maybe a group effort of many baby dinosaurs all working together to try and grow up and take on bigger and bigger quests for a bigger reward at the end. So definitely um, there is going to be growth and aging since that was a stretch goal. But, uh, you know, ultimately it's going to affect the gameplay by making it funner and giving people uh, more to progress towards. I know a really common question related to aging is 
Can you die of old age? You know that one? <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard that one, but you have to ask, so do you really want to penalize someone for keeping their dinosaur alive for a really long time? That just seems not very fun to me. What do you think? Yeah, realistic, but it'd just be like, you're too, way too successful at the game. We need to kill you off now, so uh, you're old. But um, yeah, I'm not sure how that one happens, but that's probably not a good idea. As, as compared to like uh, some other ideas where people are like, hey, can I just remove everybody's limbs and now they can't walk anymore? It's like, uh, what are you supposed to do if someone bites all your limbs off and you can't move anymore? You know, there's just no game for you to play. Uh, yeah, you have to balance it between realism and fun. Um, I mean, who knows if people really would like people to die of old age? Maybe that can be a server setting that we stick in there. But um, I think for the most part, we're probably not going to have people dying of old age. Cool. So there's another question by Liz Dragon or Lizzie Dragon, which is a little bit controversial. Uh, but are basically asking, will the Spinosaurus be quadruped? It would be awesome to see the game have this take, perhaps even the bipedal as another kind of to play. So as far as I understand, the quadruped uh, spino is debunked. It's knuckles, like the knuckle walking they proposed is just not really how the arms would be able to work. So our spino is going to be uh, as accurate as we can go um, from what the information we currently have on spino is. Ours is going to be bipedal. It's going to have a kind of unique sail shape. Um, I've seen it depicted with a round shape, with kind of a rectangular shape, a, a triangular, you know, there's a whole bunch of interesting sail shapes. And my idea here is the spinal will have um, three different species to it, as we are doing currently, and each one can have a slightly different sail shape, so people can pick and choose. But in terms of it having perhaps a quadrupedal and bipedal like locomotion set, another thing you have to always think about is if we were to make it bipedal and then another one quadrupedal, that means I'd have to do two entire different animation sets, and that's a lot of work. Um, and that might not be something we'd be able to do. Um, but, you know, we want to push uh, accuracy um, if possible. So in this case, bipedal spinal, interesting sail shapes, and as accurate as we can get it from the information that we currently know about that dino. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, another question by Red Rodlene. Red you have to forgive me for my pronouncing usernames, but uh, you have to let us know how to pronounce that one. Uh, what's the most difficult part in making Path of Titans so far? Yeah, that's a good question. What would you say is the most difficult part? Um, for me, it's tough, but I would say definitely the collision and movement system we're working on. And I'll go into the details in, in a later question regarding dinosaur collision, but... It involves around 100,000 lines of code, and it's a lot of work. And hasn't really been done by another Unreal Engine game before. I think that's the hardest part compared to everything else uh, so far. What would you think? You know, that is definitely a hard question. Um, because this entire process has been learning from scratch you know uh, i don't know how to go and do animations time to go and learn animations you know anyone could easily consider that's the hardest part um but i think it's going to be the hardest part actually we haven't done yet which is finishing the game you know uh 90 of the work is going to be the final 10 percent of the game uh and all the little polishes and all the technical debt we might have accrued um all of the 
final little bug fixes and crash fixes and it's just it's really hard to get that right and that can sometimes drag on for a long time so we have to manage our time extremely well and make sure that we can finish everything that needs to be finished and also get all of the platforms that we're going to be working on done at the same time as one another if possible so that we can have a launch where everyone can get the game on the same day so it's tough um, hardest part hasn't arrived quite yet uh, but we're definitely going to tackle it head on awesome so another question asked by poncho is what do the dino collisions really entail in the game for those of us that are unaware how will the dino collisions be useful in combat scenarios or in the average scenarios so the biggest problem with games is com is collision and a lot of games like world of warcraft and things like that they don't do character collision for this very reason because you can get stuck on somebody and it's performance intensive to calculate what's colliding with something else but the biggest difference we see is you can't glitch through somebody and then bite them in a different position and you just have to play and move differently and we feel like that's going to be the best part of the game is the collision and movement system because the, it'll affect how combat works it'll affect how trample damage works and it'll give all the dinosaurs some unique elements and unique skills and things we can use like the latest dinosaur uh the kentro has a lot of spikes on it so we want to be able to see you impaling people and things like that and that's that's going to really make the difference uh, yeah in terms of making the game can can you imagine a herd of kentrosaurs trying to walk in there? Oh, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. Otherwise, they're gonna start poking each other. <laughs> we may need a server option for a friendly fight because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll just impale the person next to you and be like, "Damn it! I was just trying to play, man. What, what the hell?" <laughs> cool. So, there's a similar question asked by Mister Doll that says, "Will there be collision and trample damage?" We pretty much answered that question in the last one. Uh, the only thing to add is, yeah, trample damage will be a thing, and uh, you're not going to be able to walk through a dinosaur. You know, he's going to be able to trample you, and you're about to take significant damage, and that'll affect how you play the game. And that definitely helps, you know, if you're trying to. You get a lot of situations where you get, like, tail biting and things like that that... that make the combat difficult so we want to make sure it feels rewarding and and unique and interesting enough yeah that's a good one uh, another question from mighty mercer uh, he says hey there i was wondering how pros uh, how progress for consoles is going i know you can't share massive details or most info yet but even a little tease would do also is there anything that the supporters can do or is it just a waiting game for now so what, what do you think so the fun part with console support is the putting the game on consoles is the easy part. The hard part is the publishing and certification, and we need to do localization so the game can be played in different regions. And we also need to have the game rated in different regions. So you've got T or thirteen plus, or all the different countries that have different yeah. ratings and things like. That. Think about it. You've got Peggy, ESRB. You know, every single region, and you know, it's it's a bit of a headache. Yeah, and we we it's hard to get the game rated before it's actually done, and yeah. you also have the game experience may change online stuff, which makes things difficult. Um, but you know, we have it running on a number of consoles. We can't announce what ones yet because of you know non-disclosure agreements and stuff like that. But 
basically, the current plan is you're about to log in with your Outer Run Games account on a console and hopefully get all the skins and things you've unlocked and be able to play the same character. And the same said to be for mobile, but we're working on it. The plan is to have all the platforms release at the same time, uh, and we're working hard on that one. Worst case scenario, we miss our deadline. Uh, then the consoles may launch a little bit later than the PC version. Cool. Uh, so another question from uh, Info32. Are you possibly going to add functionality for lower spec computers for the early access version of Path of Titans, or is it just for the finalized version? So we do have a partnership with Intel where we're optimizing the game to run on Intel integrated graphics on laptops and things like that. They just released a new line of processors and uh, integrated graphics that can really help the game out. Um, so we are working on optimizing it. Uh, for the pre-release version, I'm guessing is what you're referring to, we're going to have try to have a lot of our optimizations done before that comes out. Otherwise, worst case scenario, it'll make it into the final version. But we do have to op optimize the game for consoles and things like that anyway. So as the game gets better on mobile and consoles and things like that, the game will get better on lower-end PCs too. Yeah, because all of the performance savings that we can do is very easy to set, you know, hey, if you're on a low-end PC, use mobile-style settings, right? So it's... Yeah. By having this game on mobile, it basically ensures that low-end PCs should be able to run the game pretty dang well, assuming they're at, you know, mobile phone-level um, processing and stuff, or higher, so... One of the common misconceptions is because the game's on mobile, that means it can't look good on PC. And in our experience, that's not really that true. Is it? Do you have anything to add to that, Rebecca? Yeah, because yeah, um, what the great thing about Unreal, the engine that we're using, um, you actually have switches you can go in and you put in your mesh and you say, hey, this tree mesh, if you're on PC, make yourself look like this. And if you're on mobile, go and make yourself look like this. So, you know, lower poly count and stuff like that. So people can cross-platform play and run into a tree and it's gonna function the exact same and be in the exact same place but it'll look different you know and have different performance uh, implications depending on the the platform that you're on so it's really amazing it was a great thing about unreal that really makes this all possible otherwise it'd be a lot more difficult gonna be great seeing everyone on every platform playing and not having to worry about anything you just start and you can go and it should work the the really cool part i like is when people they see a normal mobile game, and it's like a 2D mobile game. And then they see a PC-style game running on mobile. I think people get blown away about, well, this can run on my phone. Like, it can look this good. And that's that's a, the envelope we want to be pushing, where, you know, the newer phone you have, the better the graphics can look and things like that. And really, these phones, some phones can even be faster than a, a laptop in some situations. So. Yeah, There's we, just a lot of things we can do there. We really want to push the uh, push the boundary and like don't only feel like you have to have 2D side-scrolling games on your phone. You can have a full game on your phone and play it anywhere you want. And you know, and it's it's we want to try and push the industry a bit further. And you know, if you look at a lot of the dinosaur games available on you know the various mobile stores right now, they they're really I mean they're games for sure, and they're, they're great in their own ways, but they're really not. I think what people who want to play a dinosaur game are looking for. So we're hoping we can deliver that. That's for sure. Awesome. So we have another question from, if it, forgive me if I butcher this name, but Aliris. Aliris. Okay. How much can be said of the combat system? 
It is certainly one of the more difficult sides of the game to work on, and is still one of the most vital ones. What kind of combat system is planned, and what will the attacks look like? So, we covered this a little bit earlier with the collision and trample system. However, in addition to those, we have locational damage planned. So, instead of when you bite somebody, instead of it just doing a static amount of damage, it will do more or less damage depending on, you know, if you're biting them near, say, you know, the neck or vital organs or stuff like that. So we feel like that's going to make a huge difference for when you go to attack somebody, you go for the, the bits that matter. You know what I mean? And um, that that's going to add a lot to the game. And there's a different way of doing combat that we're looking into. So one method of doing combat is you do an attack and your, your character does an animation. And then if it hits something, it does damage. Like, that's really cool. But... Uh, it doesn't look that realistic, you know, and in order to work with collision and things like that, we want to move to a different system where you can target different parts of the dinosaur and kind of like bite and kind of like latch on and be able to like drag them uh, and, and fight a little bit more realistically. Uh, what do you think about that, Rebecca? Yeah, that's all stuff we're looking to, uh, to do, and there's also different types of attacks, so it's not only just bites. You know, if you're a Sukumimus who's got really large claws, good for fishing, you can actually use those claws and do claw attacks and tail attacks if you're a Stego, or, you know, headbutting if you're a, you know, if you have a large head, I suppose. But just lots of different options for players, so you don't always have to feel, well, this is my play style because I'm an Allosaurus, I have to use my mouth. Well, no, actually, you can decide, hey, I like doing um, body checks, I like whacking things with my tail, I like clawing things, I like biting things, you know, the, there's just different play styles for different people. And within those attacks, you can take different types of, like, a style of the attack, so you can have a claw attack. Um, maybe you have more of an AOE attack where your dinosaur really swings his arm around, tries to reach out as far as he can go. Or maybe you have a slightly slower attack but does a lot more damage because they're putting a bunch of power into it. Or maybe just a couple small swipes so you can get in and get out and doesn't really um, impede your movement all that much. So it's just lots of different opportunities for people to you know tailor their dinosaur to the playstyle that they want in terms of their combat. Um, not to mention... Uh, just giving more variety and making the environments just feel a little bit, you know, feel like there's more depth and um, player choice, you know, and you see other people using some weird attack style, and you're like, that's that's kind of cool. Maybe I'll try that on my dinosaur. You know, so that's what we're interested in. Awesome. So the next question is, how do you guys plan on keeping all the dinosaurs balanced, no matter what animal they are or how long they've been playing? So. One of the important things to look at when determining balance is it's not a very clear, hey, the bigger dinosaur you are, the better, right? So there's a lot of variance between bigger dinosaurs might be stronger, but they also might be slower. And there's also different abilities and attacks and things you can unlock that will affect the balance of all the dinosaurs. So we want to create an environment where you can pick a dinosaur and playstyle you want to have where you don't have to, oh, everyone's going to play the Allosaurus now because it's it's a big one or something like that, right? Like, we want to avoid that kind of situation and have it be fair game for a lot of people. And I feel like we can do this by balancing and changing a lot of stats and things like that. 
and giving people unique mechanics like raptors being able to pounce on people and you know sukumimus being able to catch fish and things like that uh, can add some variety in terms of that. And another thing I want to mention is there's a common misconception of hey why would anyone play this dinosaur over another dinosaur right like why would anyone play this small raptor over this bigger raptor and we want about to uh, fix that in a way where it's balanced but we also we're not trying to make all the dinosaurs as popular as each other right so one dinosaur there might be only be five percent of people that play that dinosaur but that category of people they have a certain play style they prefer that they like that dinosaur because of those decisions being made right so it's not really a popularity contest in terms of we need to make everything equally popular it's more of how do we make this fun and enjoyable and balanced and that's where we're going another thing is balance isn't always necessarily combat right the game is more than just combat it's survival and it's also exploration so if you have a dinosaur like a very simple thing is a dinosaur a small dinosaur can usually jump and that'll let them access areas of the map that the big dinosaurs just can't. And also, they're smaller too, you know. You can't possibly balance the Camptosaurus, which is a very small herbivore, against the Despletosaurus, which is a giant carnivore. They can't balance in combat, really. They can, you know, the, the Despletosaurus is going to be a bit slower, and he won't be able to catch a Campto. But the Campto probably doesn't really have much of a chance of actually taking down a Despleto, at least on its own. Um, so the idea here is it's not the combat that's going to balance those two dinosaurs against each other. It's one is smaller, can access areas of the map that the big one can't. Um, it can run away better, it has better movement and versatility, and for people who prefer that playstyle, that's going to be the dino they're going to go for. If they don't really care much about combat, and they more care about running away and keeping themselves safe and exp exploring things, that's what they'll go for, right? So balance is subjective, and balance can be... Um, you know, not just in the main things of, like, combat, right? You, you've got all go scopes of the game to be balanced with. So you'll have to help me out with the name of the next question. How do you pronounce this? Uh, Sagittaire. 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 So this person has quite a long list of questions. Uh, I think they were like, hey, if I get to ask it off as a question, I'm going to ask all the questions. <laughs> so we'll just go through a couple here. But what has been... Your first difficulty on the pro uh, first difficulty um for me I mean I think for all of us actually it was just we thinking of this game and we know what we can do to make it a reality but the main hurdle was how do we animate the dinosaurs Jiggy mm -hmm. seems to be able to model them okay um and Deathly can program all of this stuff and you know Connor can work on a launcher and stuff like that but it's just how do we make them move around? That's not something you can just skimp out on. They have to look good. And um, that was a big worry. You know, we were trying to see, maybe we can do some motion capture. Nah, that doesn't really work. Maybe we can figure out some marketplace marketplace assets that we might be able to, like, retarget, but there's no dinosaur. It just, it didn't work out. But luckily, what happened was... Um, Actually, uh, Deathly Rages, uh, his, his dad was mentioning how he used to animate back in the day, and there's a really cool tool that he used, so I checked it out, and it was called the, the Character Animation Tool in 3ds Max, where basically it'll procedurally generate the animations for you based on some sliders that you can give it. And that was basically just, like, the entire project hinged 
on being able to use that tool. And, you know, it's a very quick tool. You can bring animations over on different dinos and you can tweak them accordingly. And you create a little rig for it too, because I didn't know how to rig anything either. So it, it was just, the, the game was basically make or break in terms of the animations. And that was the very first big difficulty. Because otherwise, you know, we'd have to try and get an animator, but animators are really expensive and we didn't have any money at the beginning, you know? Yeah, and they, the the first difficulty I could think of was coming up with a name, <laughs> right? Because nobody liked my name of calling it Dinosaur Haven, you know? Dinosaur uh, Haven, yep. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a struggle. And, you know, I, I was like, hey, hey, team, come up with a name that's better than Dinosaur Haven. Otherwise, we're just going with and that forced them to innovate and come up with the name Path of Titans. Oh, well, I, I liked... I, I kept on pushing the name After Impact. I thought that would have been a cool name, too, but apparently there's a TV show called After Impact, so that's not a good one. And we're going to call it Path of Giants, but there's actually an indie game that recently came out called Path of Giants, so we couldn't do that one, so Path of Titans it was. And that's the one we stuck with. <laughs> and it is a fitting name, and it is really cool. Uh, yeah. So, next question... What has been your biggest difficulty yet? And I'll start with this, and I'll have to say the collision system. And I've talked a little bit about that uh, earlier, but that's like a it's like a month or two of work and like hundred thousand lines of code, and it's still ongoing. But it's the make the biggest difference for the game. Everything else is you know I've done before, or it's it's a lot easier than programming something like. That. Yeah. So, what do you think? The next question: How many hours do you work on the game each day? <laughs> So I work on it from the moment I wake up to the moment I sleep, and I'm currently sleeping like eight hours or something like that. So it's it's a lot. But we're also doing a game that is five years of work, like MMOs take years to make in a, in a single year. So do have to work hard in terms of that regard. Yeah, I mean, I think both of us do. We, we'll wake up at the same time generally and... Um, you know, maybe an hour or something every day for uh, eating, uh, making food and stuff. And then otherwise, it's just at the PC, having, you know, Unreal open, having your editor open, having your, your programming stuff open, and just working on it. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I update the social media and stuff as well. So sometimes I have to go and take a couple screenshots so we can have some content for that. But it's, it is a lifestyle at this point. There's nothing else much that we do other than work on this game. Um, so yeah, it's it's sometimes it's a bit of a sacrifice, and you know sometimes we go for a walk or just to clear your brain. But uh, it's just we really want to make this game happen, and we also have deadlines that we definitely need to meet. Uh, and we've made many promises to people who've backed us, and we're really thankful for people uh, putting their trust into us in the project. So we really don't want to let anyone down. So we're we're going to be working. If we could work, you know, 48 hours a day, then then that's what we would do. But uh, we, we, we are human too. So we try and work as much as we can uh, without uh, physically harming ourselves, you know, staying up for seven days straight. Yeah. And a lot of the things I work on sometimes isn't actually programming. It's like logistical problems or podcasts or, you know, sending emails back to various partners we have on various platforms we're working on. So there's a chunk that's programming, but there's also another chunk of, of management overhead of setting up different things for the game and planning for the release. And we're also the Elder One Games platform we're building, as we're also building a, a whole game platform and a game at the same time. Yeah, that's another thing to always think about. You know, uh, we're basically a one man band, in this case, or I guess two, three, four man band, where um, the 
individual person has to take on the roles of like seven or eight people. You know, for me personally, if you use me as an example, I do the models, the textures, the animations, I do the UI, I do the maps, I do performance, I do shaders, I do all of this stuff, um, which is really great um, because I can have really quick turnaround times. You know, I can make a dino model in four days, right? Because I don't, we don't have four individual peoples working on every single thing and then they have to, you know, coordinate with each other. Just me, go in, it's done which is great, but that also means that um, I can only spend so much time working on the models because I've also got other things that they work on the UI, work on marketing, work on performance improvements. So it's good and bad. It's good and bad. But, you know, we're working with what we have and the skills that we have and the people that have, um, you know, that are working with us in the game. So, you know, that, that's what we have right now, ultimately. Awesome. So the next question is, uh, what's your favorite dino in the roster for each of us? That is the hardest question I've ever got so far. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where I don't like any one dinosaur because, like, like Sukumimus can fish, and that's really cool, but there's other raptor can pounce on people, and I don't see myself just playing one or just liking one, but uh, I do like, you know, the raptor category of dinosaurs just because they're small and agile and they can jump, and I think... Being sneaky and getting around the map is a lot better than something really big that maybe people can see you from, from you know, yeah, the other side of the map. St- stomping around. Yeah. I'm I'm at this really awful crossroads where every new dinosaur I make becomes my favorite one. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's I'm, a problem I see in the community. Where <laughs> what's your favorite dinosaur? Oh, the one Jiggy you made, and it's just changing every. You know, and they they're going and getting a refund and switching their back again to what are the last dinosaur we made and stuff, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. But so definitely, right now, I like the Kentrosaurus a lot. But before that, I really liked the Alioramus. I mean, because I just made them. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, yeah, I, I I definitely do like the Kentrosaurus because I think that's going to be a really unique dino. Um, it's small, fairly fairly agile for you know its size, and uh, it's just covered in spikes. No one wants to touch you. You're just this, this awful ball of pokiness that no one's going to want to mess with you, I, I can imagine. So that might be really fun for the people who are a little more social and they don't they just, don't touch me. I'm spiky. I want to go and hang out with my other Kentrosaurus friends, you know. So it's going to be pretty cool. Awesome. So another question was, how do you feel about the Indigo, the success of the Indigo campaign and Outerun Games? And that was that was insane. We we worked really really hard to try and make the Indiegogo campaign look good, make people trust, feel like we're you know we're putting a lot of effort into it and trust the um, the game and our, and our ideas. Um, and I knew for sure because for me growing up as a kid, I've always wanted a dinosaur game. So I knew there was never really quite been the game that scratched the itch that I had. And I can imagine that many other people felt the same way as I did. So uh, I knew there'd be some interest in the game for sure, but you know, the amount that we've made and actually people are continually donating is just so amazing and blown away by the amount of support. I never thought we'd ever reach all of our stretch goals. And the fact that we have even more stretch goals after that is just, you know, finally I'd be able to put in, we'd be able to put in all of the, um, things that in our wildest dreams we wouldn't think of adding like the Lidictheus that we got recently is just that's going to be amazing to put in yeah every every dollar we get really does go a long way from 
helping us out, and I really didn't think we'd get this much either. And it's amazing that there's this much demand and support for a dinosaur game, and I'm glad that we can be open and transparent and, and deliver on it. Because it's not just about having an idea to make a cool dinosaur game, it's about actually delivering on it, releasing it, finishing it, executing it. And, and and you know what I really like the fact that we're making an accurate game and there's people who have a demand for an accurate game because that shows to me that a lot of people, um, you know, the more unrealistic ones that are more like uh, fantasy creatures um, versus an actual live animal that we're trying to to go for and make it semi realistic. You know, I think that's really cool to see. I think that's really cool to see because it shows that people are really interested in accurate paleontology and, and just seeing these dinosaurs as animals and not movie monsters. Um, so that I think that's another really cool indicator, and I'm really happy that people are into that too. What part of the game are you most excited about? Um, I'm excited to see it finished. I want to see everyone play it. <laughs> that's what I'm excited for. Yeah, it's I'm excited the whole for thing. the pre-release. I'm a little bit nervous as well because, you know, the there's a lot of work to do before now in the pre-release, but... And we have I to mean, make sure we get it right the first time, because we don't want to let anyone down, you know? I'm also worried that we might have, like, you know, a million people try to log in at the same time, and, like, everything goes down, and we'll have to do some, some measures in place to make sure that we can handle that when the game releases, and, you know, people don't get the error Diablo had when they launched, like, Era 33 or something like that, so mm. we're working hard on making sure when we release, the game's going to be stable, and the great thing about having a demo, which you can get at outerongames.com slash store, is you can find bugs and help report them before the pre-release and release happens. And, you know, crashes and things like that. If we can get them fixed early, that makes the most difference. Yeah, and you can get a really cool skin for it, too. If you report a good bug, then you get a bug tracker, Allosaurus skin. It looks really cool. Awesome. So the last question was, does Jiggy eat peach every And I think they were referring to a meme that you do that's called like peach time peach time well actually i have some uh peach yogurt over here that i that i'd eaten so uh sure yeah i eat peaches every day <laughs> put that on a sticker awesome so we'll leave it here thanks a lot for listening this is our first episode and it's going to be a little bit rough around the edges until we get like the audio quality be better and you know some some more things but we really released put this episode up get it on Spotify and all the places and we'd like to see you send us more questions we can answer uh, to podcast.elderongames.com you can subscribe there you can hit contact and if you're interested in checking out the game you can go to pathotitans.com is yeah. there anything else you'd like to add? Jean? Well thanks so much for listening guys it's been awesome and I'm, I'm really excited to make more podcasts in the future <laughs> Awesome, see you next episode See ya <laughs>